0: Hi, this is Pastor Bob Yandian. Join me today as we take up a study of demons. It's going to be very interesting. We'll even get into the origin of demons, and believe me, you want to hear this.
1: Join me. For more than 40 years, Bob Yandian has been an expositor of the Bible, making seemingly complicated doctrine easy to understand. Grab your Bible and study the Word of God with Bob Yandian.
0: Hello and welcome again to Student of the Word with Pastor Bob Yandy and we just completed a study on angels. I want to do a study on demons. Let's go to the opposite extreme and talk about not only the messengers of God, which are angels, but the messengers of Satan, which are demons. I guess the two could be compared to each other. But I really want to get into a description of these and cover some things that uh, quite are quite controversial. I'll tell you my viewpoint on it, but you know, I'm not saying I absolutely have everything on it because the Bible's kind of silent on the issue of where demons came from, and silent on a lot of areas about angels themselves. But you know, what are you gonna do? They exist, so we can go back and theorize and take what scripture we can find and and, and bring it out. So I'll be doing that while I'm teaching here on the subject of demons, the origin of demons, but also the operation. And we're going to start today with the operation of demons. While you're finding Psalm 109, a Psalm of David, where he was talking about leadership around the world since he was a king himself, we'll be getting into that. But in the meantime, I just want to talk to you that again, I just appreciate you. I know I say this every time, but you know what? I do appreciate you. You guys really are the reason next to God why I'm on this broadcast. Doors are opening up. People are starting to, to ask me to come on their networks and stuff. And I just don't have the finances for all of it. But you know what? I serve a big God and you are the one who helps me in that area. If you'd like to help me get on some other broadcast things like that, we're getting, we're getting requests for it. Please do so. If you're already a supporter by broadcast, think about expanding it, because you know what, as God expands you in your pro- in your prosperity, it's not all to be spent on you to buy yourself new cars and all this other stuff, which is fine. But in the meantime, what God expands it for so you can expand your seed. And again, the Bible says that he multiplies seed sown, not seed kept. And so seed that is sown, and it says he blessed sowers. So if he blesses sowers, he doesn't bless keepers, he blesses givers. And when you take that and give it into his kingdom, you set up eternal things. I mean, this isn't like a car that's nice today and in 10 years from now, you're gonna get you another one. No, the things of God don't wear out. In fact, they just keep on giving and giving and giving. Did you know if you had an apple in your hand, that apple did not begin right here? No, you say, well, it came from a seed. Well, yeah, it came from a seed, which came from an apple, which came from a tree, which came from a seed. I mean, we could keep going, but actually that apple began in the garden of Eden. And that's where it was. We haven't had any more trees planted since then because it just, trees keep multiplying by themselves themselves. And so that's the same thing when it comes to giving into God's kingdom. You sow a seed and what happens is it just starts producing from now on. It'll produce on into long into eternity. And what the Lord is simply saying here is that when you sow into this ministry, uh, there's going to come a day I'll die. And this ministry will still be around. I mean, there'll still be books around and recordings around things like that. But you know what? I don't, I'm not that concerned about it. It's the people that were affected that keep on spreading And those people that were affected win souls. And those people win souls. And those people start churches. And those people win lots of souls. Those souls go out and start churches. It just keeps on going and going, much like, again, the Garden of Eden. And you know what? You're part of that by sowing a seed into this ministry. And so whatever you can afford, I'm not asking you for a particular amount. What can you afford to give into this ministry? Please do so. Listen, pray when you send it in. Say, God, use this for the right reason, for blessings and all that, because that's my prayer when it comes in. So the address is Bob Yandy. Dot .com the web address Go there and you'll find also all in there a place where you can become a partner with me. On the face page, you'll find it. And so please, again, I ask you, become a partner with me. And uh, whatever you can do, you know, God does not ask for a certain amount. Maybe sometime he'll lay a certain amount on your heart, but most of the time it's just as you purpose in your own heart. Give, not grudgingly or of necessity. God loves a cheerful giver. In so doing, I thank you ahead of time for becoming a partner with me in this ministry. Psalm 109, let's begin in verse six. Verse six down through verse 13 here, David is talking about kings around the world because one of the strongest places Satan has and demons operate in is in governments around the world. And in most governments, demons operate because this is Satan's plan. Satan desires to run the world. And so, again, he could come and stop churches and he's doing his best to do that today. But what I'm simply saying is the first place he heads towards running governments where he can control money, he can control decisions, he control things and send them his way, paint them as human good. But you know what? In the end, it all comes back to evil. And so in this one, he's talking about those around the world. And we thank God for a good presidents that come into our country, good presidents that have run for uh, government here. But most of them through the years have been leaning toward the liberal side. And we go back and we find out there's been wickedness in our nation from the very beginning. But that's Satan's plan. It all really, most of this really, really kicked off at the Tower of Babel. When God destroyed the Tower of Babel, which nations were coming together to form these first united nations, all nations coming together, and we're gonna rule this world God stopped it because uh, because it's wrong. And God has said so in the word of God. God is for nationalism, not for internationalism. And when people come together, the nature of the flesh takes over and the wickedness begins to come. And so really what David is pointing out is those who follow God are rare around the world, and and they may be following some good principles, and maybe some governments a little better than others, but overall, the deep-seated things in governments come from wicked uh, men and those who are uh, seeking to rule the nation. And after a while, we see it progressively getting worse and worse and worse. Here he says in verse 6, set a a wicked man over him and let an accuser stand at his right side. Here's the problem. The wicked man sits on the throne, but there's an accuser standing beside him. The accuser is a demon, and he brings out that demons operate among government and especially over government leaders. It goes on to say, when he is judged, let him be found guilty. There's gonna come a day he will stand before God at the great white throne judgment, and he will be found guilty because it's not just him that's affected. It's the nation that's affected. It's the people that are affected. It goes on to say, let his prayer become sin. Let his days be few. Here's the point of it too. When a person gives their life over to the devil, their life is usually cut off. Not too many live a long time. How many how many rock and roll singers you ever heard that went and sold their soul to the devil? All right, and because of that, Satan gave them some kind of great talent to play the guitar or whatever it was. But there comes a time they die. In fact, there's a club of them that died at a young age. It simply says, let his days be few and then let another take his office. What we see is there's always transition in this earth and somebody's always setting themselves up to get as much money as possible into their own pocket, but they don't realize something. You don't live very long on this earth. You might as well understand something. You didn't bring that money into this earth. You don't take the money out of this earth. Let his children be fatherless. He's going to die before his children do. And before his wife does, it says his wife become a widow. Let his children continually be vagabonds and beg. Whatever starts In one generation multiplies in the next generation. When one turns from God, the children are affected even more. Let them seek their bread also from their desolate places. Let the creditor seize all that he has and let strangers plunder his labor." Let there be none to extend mercy to him, nor let there be any to favor his fatherless children. Let his posterity be cut off and in the generations to follow, let their name be blotted out. Their name will not even appear in the Lamb's book of life. After following Satan so long, you know, they never came to a point to receive Jesus. The further they follow Satan, the more they do not want to follow Jesus, do not want to follow after righteousness. And it simply says when they stand before God, their name was never found in the Lamb's book of life. And so let's go Back and look at this a little closer. Verse 6 says, To appoint a wicked man over him, let the accuser, that's Satan and demons, stand at his right hand. Satan always works through people. He can't do things just on his own. He has to work through people. This is what demons are. Demons have to work through people. Angels themselves from heaven don't have to work through people, but they can work with people. They've been sent to help us. They have been sent to, to us as our servants in this earth. And we're told that in the book of Hebrews that now angels angels are ministering spirits sent to minister for them. That's us who are the heirs of salvation, but demons can't do that. Demons have to be inside of people, controlling people to control the circumstances around them. And he especially works through national leaders. Ezekiel chapter 28 emphasizes this in verses 12 and 13. Ephesians chapter six emphasizes this in verse 12, that we are to pray for leaders. What are we to pray for? Most of the time, we pray for them to make good decisions. There's nothing wrong with that, but that is not what the biblical high standard is. What are we to pray for kings and all that have authority over us in Ephesians? It tells us we are to pray for them for this reason, and that is that they will be saved and then come to the full knowledge of the truth. That's just simply the two parts of the Great Commission. What we need is not just born-again people in office in Washington or our state leadership or anything, our city leadership. We don't. We don't just need Christians, we need disciples. We need people who have, first of all, been saved and now come to the full knowledge of the truth, know how to apply the Word of God to the situation. To be honest with you, we've got some people in office in Washington, they're Christians, but pardon the expression, they're dumb Christians. They just don't know the Word of God. They know a little bit about the Word of God, and because they say they pray over their decisions, that's good, but the best thing that comes along is when they take the Word of God and apply it to the situation, that takes a disciple. Verse 7 says, "...when he's judged, let him be condemned. That means found guilty. And let his prayers become sin. It comes to point, again, we have to understand God doesn't answer the prayer of a sinner. Only one prayer can he a- answer. That's where a person asks to be born again. Praise for Jesus Christ to become the Lord of his life. So Satan blinds people from even being saved. That's 2 Corinthians chapter four and verse four. It says their prayers are sin because God doesn't hear them. Verse eight says, let his days be few and let another take his office. That means leadership changes so often and we see it in our own nation how they don't stay there very long. But again, this is evil leadership and when Satan finds something more evil, he puts them in there and helps them to get in there. Leaders who are controlled by Satan are in office for a short time. They can be replaced quickly by another leader. And what Satan always desires is for the next one to be worse and the next one to be worse. We can interject that that with our prayer. Let good people run for office, vote for them. But the overall thing is coming to this. We're coming to a time where God himself is going to handle this through the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. First for his church, that's us, to take us out before a seven-year period begins called the tribulation. But at the end of the tribulation, Jesus Christ, himself is going to keep come, and he's going to straighten out this planet at the Battle of Armageddon. When it's over, Satan will be gone, demons will be gone, false prophet will be gone, Antichrist will be gone, the false prophet will be gone. All these things that are in the earth, as well as the curse that's on the earth, will all be cast off. Religion will be removed from the earth, and Jesus Christ on that day, the kingdoms of this world that have been under the leader of the world, the ones that have been under the leadership of Satan, the God of this world, Jesus Christ will come back, and the nations of this world The kingdoms of this world will become the kingdoms of our God and then of his Christ. And he, Christ, shall rule from that point on forever and forever. That's the days we have coming very, very soon with all we can see that's going on around him. Verse nine again goes on to say that let his children be fatherless and he'll die early again and his wife left a widow, Satan has the power of death and Satan leaves sorrow and destruction in his path. Let his children be continually vagabonds, that's wanderers, and let them beg, let them seek their bread also out or driven out of their desolate places and this simply means their homes will be ruined this isn't just the, the house the family itself will be ruined satan has no sympathy for children satan wants to rob us all of a good future so then again verse 11 says let the extortioner or the creditor catch or seize all that he has and let strangers spoil or plunder the fruits of his labor satan not only provides wealth for a while but then steals it he likes to keep the world's wealth in the hands of the And then verse 12 says, "'Let there be no one to extend mercy or kindness to him, "'neither let anyone show favor or pity "'to his fatherless children.'" Satan then turns people against people. Satan does this from one generation to the other, and it goes on to say, "'Let his posterity be cut off in the following generation, "'let their name be blotted out.'" I'll see you right after the break.
1: Do angels really exist today? What is their purpose? How do they appear in the earth? What about demons? Where did they come from? Are they fallen angels? And can they actually possess a person? In 15 audio lessons on Angels and Demons flash drive, Bob Yandian teaches what the Bible has to say in a comprehensive topical study of angels and demons. Lesson series include angels, God's messengers, a study of angels, the Christian and demons, and a study of demons. MP3 audio files can be played on computers, MP3 players, smartphones, tablets, iPads, and iPhones, as well as car audio systems equipped with a USB port. To order Angels and Demons, visit our website at BobYendian.com. Theology Simplified is a practical guide to foundational biblical truth. Basic doctrines are not difficult, but easy to understand. They often become disguised as complicated or deep-sounding words, but the definitions are simple. Pastor Bob makes complex theological concepts clear and practical. Eight crucial doctrines of the Christian faith are demystified. Redemption. Justification. Sanctification. Reconciliation predestination, election, propitiation, and glorification. These eight precepts, essential for all believers to understand, come to light as you read and arrive at a deeper understanding of the finished work of Jesus Christ. To order Theology Simplified, visit our website at bobyandian.com.
0: Coming back to that verse of scripture we left with in Psalm 109, take a look with me at verse 12. Let there be no one to extend mercy or kindness to him. Neither let there be any favor. Don't show pity to his fatherless children. And Satan turns people against people. Satan does this from one generation to another. And finally, verse 13, let his posterity or his descendants be cut off. And in the following generations, let their name be blotted out. Satan is a killer. He wants none of our children to be here to accept and to serve the Lord. He wants to get rid of Christianity. He wants to get rid of Israel. Why does he want to get rid of of Christians, because we spread the gospel. Every person that's born again is somebody he lost, and he doesn't want that to happen. Now, once a person's born again, he will do his best to keep you from becoming one that spreads the gospel. He'll bring all kinds of temptations, trials, and tests into your life to get you to throw in the towel, and even though you're a Christian, you're a non-effective Christian. What Satan hates most of all is not just Christians, he hates disciples, those who go out to win others to the Lord Jesus Christ, and he hates them, and this is why he's out to, first of all, stop people from getting saved, but then if they do get saved, he tries to stop them from growing in the things of God and make them a non-effective Christian. He might have lost them. He's gonna make sure they will not get anybody else saved. This is his plan in the earth. So again, this is what Satan does, and we need to be aware of what he's doing in this earth. So we see this around us in all in all the the people around us in our businesses. We see this in everything how Satan has infected this and has continued to get worse and worse and worse and worse through generation after generation. Yes, we stand in need of revival, and I see revival coming to our nation, but I also see it coming to the world. We have to the literally the tribulation to come is the greatest time of evangelism the world has ever seen. There's going to be four major sweeps of evangelism not just in our country, but around the entire world. I thank God for revival in our country, but you know what? There's literally revival going on around the world before it's hit our country. I mean, what's going on in South America? What's going on in, in other nations around the world? What's going on in the Orient? What's going on in the in the uh, nations of Africa? We see great revival coming there and now, and uh, we see churches being built. We see thousands of people going to church, churches of 10, 15,000 around the world, everywhere you go and what a tremendous thing, and now it's coming to the United States. We're seeing people now because of all the things we trusted our government for. We find out government can let us down because it's just people. We need to turn our life over to the one that never changes, the one who always loves us, the one who always provides for us. And his name is Jesus. The good news is there's going to come a final showdown. Here's the point. Satan was defeated at the cross. He just will not admit it. Satan was convicted at the at the cross, defeated at the cross and defeated at the resurrection of Jesus Christ, but his sentencing hasn't come yet. His sentencing will become when he is cast into hell for a thousand years. And then after that, cast in the lake of fire for eternity, but that hasn't come yet. So Satan in essence has been defeated. He just won't accept it. He keeps thinking, I can do this. I can do this. And every time he's been defeated, every time he's trying to rise up against God, he's been defeated. And he's going to try again next time and he's gonna get the entire world on his side and he's still gonna be defeated by one person. His name is Jesus. Revelation chapter 19 tells us that Jesus Christ himself will fight that battle. Even though he's coming back with 10 thousands of saints from heaven, Jesus is gonna fight that battle alone and we're gonna simply watch him do it and he will defeat Satan once and for all. So that's the good news. I want to talk to you first, uh, next of all, in the remainder of this half of the broadcast, I want to define demons. What are they? Because there's so many different things out there. I'll tell you what I believe. I'll tell you why I believe it. I think I'm right, but you know what? I could be wrong, but this is not, write this down. This is not a heaven or hell issue where demons came from. And if you know it verbatim exactly how it came into being, because the Bible's kind of silent on the issue. All we know is they are real all right? And they have all types of ranks among them of demons that are out there as well as fallen angels. And so I do not believe that demons are fallen angels. I believe that they are different than that, and I'll define it for you here as we go along. First of all, how do I know they are not angels? Well, and they're not fallen angels because a fallen angel still looks like an elect angel. I mean, if a fallen angel appeared, he would be as as a glorious of light because they're light beings. The Bible tells us if Satan appears, he appears as an angel of light. In other words, he appears as something like God and he simply again comes and tries to portray himself as God and tries to portray himself as one who is a follower of God and one that's elected by God, which he used to be, but he still tries to portray that today. And so he comes along as God. Uh, His name is Lucifer, which meant the light bearer. And so he's not the light, but he was the bearer or the one who evangelized or or was out there representing the light. And again, the light is Jesus Christ. But fallen angels still look like angels. Demons do not look like fallen angels. For all the paintings we have of them back for hundreds and hundreds of years, as well as people describing when they see demons, they'll tell you they do not look like angels. And they look like small, hairy animals. They look like monkeys, in fact, and they'll talk about impish looking creatures, hairy monkeys, and that comes back to actually the names for them of which we'll take up from the Word of God, the titles that are given to them, and the Hebrew and the Greek words for uh, for demons are not anywhere near the name that we have for fallen angels. I don't believe they're the same. If you do, that's fine. Why don't you at least be quiet and listen to what I have to say? If you still disagree with me, fine. Let's put it this way. We agree on this much. Why in the world would we get mad at each other for the this little bit we disagree on. No two believers believe everything alike. I have done my study. I'm I'm comfortable in what I believe. I can talk to you about it. I've talked to ministers about it, others about it, who simply say, no, demons are fallen angels. Well, fine. How about we wait till eternity to find out exactly if that's true or not? And maybe you'll find out I'm, I'm right. Again, they look like small, hairy animals, again, like monkeys. On top of that, a demon can't manifest himself. A demon can only inhabit someone and then he can, he can display himself through someone else. But angels don't have to have a body to be in. Angels can actually manifest a body. An angel can come and a fallen angel could do it, but a, but an elect angel can do it. And that is an elect angel can come and as they have in the word of God appear as a human being. They did back there in the Old Testament. And so Lot was in the city of, uh, you know, being in Sodom and Gomorrah. And so these angels appeared to uh, Abraham and Abraham prayed and they went into the city to uh, to bring out Lot and his family. And when they went in there, they just looked like human beings. They looked like men, but they were extremely good looking, very handsome. And of course, the, the men of that city being homosexual, tried to have sex with them, they wanted that. And of course, these men just that were angels just struck them blind. And this was how they were. But again, they looked like human beings, but they actually appeared in a fleshly body. They can take on a fleshly body, then disappear from it. But a demon can't do that. A demon has to be inside of a body to manifest itself. Why? Because demons used to have bodies and the bodies look like the demons. They look like monkeys. They look like hairy animals. They look like impish creatures. Because again, that's what the Hebrew and the Greek words mean. Demons can inhabit animals, but they prefer people. And the word of God tells us that, in fact, that when Jesus cast them out, uh, they, they asked, well, you know, cast us out if you do it, but we want to go into this. And Jesus, there was a, there was a pigs right there. They said, look, at least put us in the pigs. So Jesus did that. And then all the pigs ran off and drowned themselves in the water. So again, then the demons were without a body, but demons around the world, they can inhabit dogs. I've been in foreign countries and they'll tell me at night, especially countries like I was in the Philippines one time, and they told me at night, you can hear dogs howling all over the place. They said, these are not, you know, wolves or anything like that. A few of them might be, but they're demon-possessed dogs that are out there. And of course, we know in the word of God, they could go into those pigs. And so, but they prefer people. They, it says, whenever they're cast out, they roam through dry places looking for a body. Angels don't do that. Fallen angels don't do that. Even elect angels don't do that. Angels never had a body to desire one. Another word we're going to find when we study the words for demons in the Old Testament is the word sire, S-A-I-R, and we get our word satyr from that. A satyr comes from uh, from ancient uh, Greek mythology. And a satyr was one that was a horse with a human uh, chest on it and a head coming out of it. And it was a combination of an animal and a human being. I believe that this is what they were. Now, let's be very carefully. Angels never had a body to desire one, but angels can manifest a body and appear as a human being. But demons are different. I believe that demons are disembodied spirits of a race That was here before Adam. I know some of you right now that your heads are spinning and all of a sudden smoke's coming out of your ears, but understand something. There are some great, great notes on this. There's a book called Earth's Earliest Ages by Pember. Excellent book. In fact, that was recommended to me when I was in Bible school back in 1969, because again, Pentecostals at that time and other churches also, and other, uh, those who were uh, Bible scholars wrote books about it. And they all agreed on something. The earth is older than 6,000 years old. There was something on the earth before the time of Adam, and Satan ruled this planet as Lucifer, and then became Satan. When he became Satan, God judged the entire race. God judged everything that was here, wrapped it up, placed water on it, and then it froze. Because the opening of of Genesis chapter 1, verse 1 says this, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and then he goes on to say, and the earth was without form and void. No, the Hebrew word says this, the earth became without form and void. But Isaiah tells us in his book that God did not create the earth without form and void. When he originally created the earth perhaps billions or millions of years ago, it was beautiful. And the earth was beautiful. There was some kind of race here on this earth and it's described in Ezekiel, it's described in Isaiah, that when Satan was cast out of heaven, he caused distress among nations. He fell here and there was nations here already, but God wrapped up the whole thing in judgment. These races are literally deep Demons are disembodied spirits of a race that was here before Adam. They came through that time period and they were in the garden and God, that's why God told uh, uh, Adam in the garden to subdue the earth and take dominion over it. He was supposed to take dominion over it. But Satan came along and he fell for it. And these demons, now that we're here, have now covered the earth. And so we have them today, disembodied spirits of a race that was here before Adam. Also, if you have a finest Dake Bible, which was you know, which was the Bible of the Pentecostals for many years, outstanding notes on this in Genesis chapter one, talking about a pre-Adamite earth that was already here. God judged it, wrapped it up, and started over again with Adam and Eve in the same place that. Lucifer rule from because it said you of Lucifer you have been in Eden the garden of God every precious stone was your covering the diamond barrel sapphire jasper all these things and they that is your riches have filled the heart right your heart right now with anger and now you tried to overthrow God it simply comes back to this that the thing that drives satan is the love of money that's why it's called the root the root of all evil. It started in Satan and you wanna find out what's wrong in governments today. You wanna try to trace down where all this comes from, follow the money trail, and you'll always end up where this thing began. I trust you've been blessed today and now probably you're just totally spinning out of control. But anyway, go and look these things up. I'll be back with you tomorrow as we continue on
1: Demons. You can order resources, become a partner, or browse free articles and podcasts